Well, if you haven't been around uh, this semester, we have been uh, in the midst of a teaching series that'll uh, go all the way through this semester uh, called Inside Out, uh, Community and Mission. Uh, and this is an exploration of uh, how we think of ourselves uh, as disciples. And uh, for those who've been around uh, any amount of time, uh, we, we kind of have a simple definition of what a disciple is. And what, what's a disciple? A follower, yeah. A disciple is a follower. And so uh, we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, uh, which means we, we go in the way that he goes. Uh, and and we, we try to live in the ways that uh, he calls us to live and, and walk the paths that uh, he makes for us, um, which is not always easy. Uh, <clears throat> but one of the things uh, that, that that calls us to do uh, in our discipleship is to is to go toward him and to go deeper in him and uh, to be formed in the ways of God and uh, and that's a uh, in a lot of ways that's a very uh, internal kind of thing um, and also uh, we know that we're brought together in community uh, to experience uh, spiritual family together that's a part of our walk and and uh, 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 Christ makes it very clear, and, and the, whole, the whole story of God makes it very clear that we're to share that in, in very uh, uh, deep and powerful family uh, together, and that's what we work to do here, too. But in many ways, that, that becomes kind of an inside thing uh, that is very, very important. But at the same time, we're called to love the world. Um, we're called to... Uh, to love God and love others, right? And others is not just the people that are close to you. Uh, it's the people that are all around us. And we know that that is a big, huge, enormous, uh, uh, very diverse, very challenging world. Uh, but that's, that's our mission, uh, is to learn how to love that and to, and to be the light of God in the midst of that and, and to interface with that in very important ways. And so that's kind of our out calling. So we have, an, we have a deep inside calling and we have a very uh, important out calling. And we often think of those as separate kinds of things. It's like we're, we're either one or the other, but, but Christ shows us how those two things are very deeply integrated with each other and they're not separate and we should never think of them um, as different things, but uh, they're both, they're two sides of the same coin. Uh, it's all one thing. So that's what we're exploring uh, this semester. And so ha as we go through the series, we're kind of, here's a way that we grow inside ourselves or inside with each other. And then the next week, uh, we talk about, you know, how, how are ways that we grow out. Um, and so today, I want, to, I want to start with a couple of questions uh, for you. And that is, um, and this should be, just by the very nature of this question, we should get answers by the logic of it, I hope. And that is, what is something that you can't help but talk about? Go. Oh, no, no, stop, stop, stop. Don't give me don't give me the right answers right now. <laughs> what? Food. You can't help but talk about food. All right. Good. But <laughs> honest. Thank you. We always get the honest answer from Dylan. Yeah, what? Boys. Another honest answer. 
What art? Yeah, yeah. Art, music, yeah. Video games, yeah, absolutely. Sports, sports. What's up? What? Bevo. <laughs> Hook them. Right? That's for you. That's for all of you. You're welcome. What else? What What are things that you can't help but just naturally talk about in your life? <laughs> Food. Another family, right? Okay. School, because <laughs> you just can't avoid it, right? Okay. How busy? Yeah. What are the things that that are just that are really important to you and just creep out of your conversations? What else? Yes. Planes. Yes. Yes. There it is. And you don't you don't go five minutes without some plane reference uh, from this guy. Yeah. What else? One or two more. Jumping, that's right, yes. This is the guy who flies him, this is the guy who jumps out of them. It's good. Uh, we have any vegans in here? Like, no? <laughs> we have any CrossFitters in here, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. <sighs> Got out of that one. <laughs> you know there's things that people can't help but talk about uh, whenever you talk to them. Um, <clears throat> Okay, a kind of a related question, and I want you to think. I want you to think hard about this one. What's something that you've experienced? Right, something that you have experienced that you're sure no one would understand unless they've experienced it themselves. Childbirth. childbirth. I've been there for childbirth. I'm convinced I would have no idea what it's actually like. Yes. What's an experience that you're sure no one would understand unless they experience it themselves? I also we knew that was coming from Dylan. Yes. <laughs> Planning a wedding. Lord help us. Yes. Yes. What else? Dying. All right. <laughs> You've been there? <laughs> Probably a good one, yes. <laughs> What's that? Joining the military. I believe that one. I believe that. Special Olympics, yeah, for sure. Yeah. What else? What's something that you know is just only an understanding only comes by the experience of it? <laughs> we'll go with James. What's that? War, yeah, yeah, that's a huge one. What else? Anything else? Divorce, yeah, yeah. There's a whole spectrum of things, right, that we can, we can try to understand on an intellectual level, but uh, just kind of only comes through the experience of it, right? If you have an experience uh, of me, there's things that I can't help but talk about, like... You know these kinds of th <laughs> these kinds of things. You know uh, experiences that that you have like this that are are impossible to explain unless you just experience it for yourself. Uh, we're gonna watch all 20 minutes of this. Nah, just kidding. Yeah, man, it's 
Jeeping. Jeeping is an experience that is hard to explain uh, in any kind of logical way unless you experience it yourself. First chapter of John. Let's pull that one up, David. You open up John, you're, you're almost immediately reading about um, the nature of Jesus. And you get into some words of John the Baptist testifying about Jesus. And then you almost immediately get to Jesus calling his first disciples, um, the ones who would become his, his apostles <clears throat> down the line. And I want us to start and read this section in the first chapter of John, starting in verse 43. It's 43 through 51, if you want to look at that. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, who we had just talked about, was from the town of Bethsaida. Now Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. So Philip goes to Nathanael. He's excited about what he has found, what he has decided uh, in his mind about this Jesus uh, that he's encountered, and he wants to tell Nathanael about this. So what is Nathanael's obvious reaction? Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Well, that kind of... You ever get that kind of uh, reaction to something that you're just really excited about, you want to tell somebody about, and they completely derail the conversation? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> like, they completely derail the conversation, right? And completely, it's, it's like you have this huge balloon, and they just put a pin right in it, and pop, and you're left with this little, little shard of something that you thought was really amazing. Well, Nazareth... How can anything good come from Nazareth? Right. Well, says Philip, come and see. Come and see. So when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. <laughs> okay. Jesus, how do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. So what is this interaction? Right? But then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. <laughs> that, that didn't take long. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Okay, let's, let's recap what's taken place here, all right? Jesus calls Philip. Okay, that's our bullet, first bullet point, if you're writing this down. Jesus calls Philip. What does Philip do? 
He responds, right? Okay, sure. Follow me. Yes, I will. Like it seems to happen with all the apostles, oddly. Okay, next line. Somewhere along the line, Philip became convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. Okay, we don't really know what Philip's interaction with Jesus was before or exactly after this or exactly what the timeline uh, of all these things taking place was. It seems like there would be more involved. It seems like that. But we don't know. But we do know that Philip has decided that this Jesus that he has decided to follow is the Messiah. And that is huge because the Messiah is who the Jews have been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. He even says this is the one written about in the law of Moses and about who the prophets wrote. All of our stories have to do with leading up to who this guy is. This is huge. This isn't a come meet this really great teacher that I've found and started following. This is come see the Messiah, right? So naturally, I think probably naturally, Philip decides to tell Nathaniel about this. Okay, it becomes something that he probably can't help but talk about because if you have found the Messiah, this is the pinnacle, right? And then Nathaniel, wonderful Nathaniel, just punches back with his prejudice, right? Nazareth. Now, if you know me, I like to think about how stories and, and sayings and teachings uh, find some of their meaning in what is not said or what doesn't actually happen, which it can illuminates what does happen or what is said a little bit more because you understand what could have been. So what could have been in this story, right? There's another path that could have been taken. And I think it's on Philip's part. Not necessarily on Nathaniel's part, but on Philip's part. And so it could go something like this. Well, Nathaniel, let me explain to you how this is possible. I'm going to lay it out in the stories and the narrative, and I'm going to talk about what has happened and what has been uh what has been said by John the Baptist so far and what Jesus is and the things that he's done and t- taught and how we can lay, logically lay those things on the prophecies and, and what's going on. Um, and I'm also going to explain to you uh, what a prejudiced bigot you're being. Right? Uh, and while I'm at it, I'm going to create a passive-aggressive post on Facebook about you. Okay. All right. This could have been uh, this really interesting interaction between Philip and Nathaniel, where Philip kind of employs all the strategies that he can to convince Nathaniel of what he believes the truth is. Okay? And maybe it would have worked. We don't know. That's not what happened. Instead, what does Philip do? What's he do? What? Okay. What's he say? Come and see. 
not going to explain anything to you. I'm just going to invite you to come and see. You can decide for yourself. Let's say that together. Because I think we can, we can read past this really, really quickly. Because it's three little words uttered in a story that we don't even really visit all that often. Come and see. Let's say that together. Come and see. Come and see. That was Philip's entire apologetic. Come and see. Come and see was all that it took, thankfully, right, with Nathaniel. And we see what happens from there. Jesus provides Nathaniel with an experience that's hard for even us to understand. Because we just read that exchange, right? Uh, it's kind of weird. You know, uh, he saw him under the fig tree. I saw you under the fig tree. Well, certainly you are the Messiah. Right? I don't, I don't know the logic of that. But I think there's something important here is that that experience maybe doesn't have to make sense to us. Well, that's good because it doesn't really, right? But maybe it doesn't have to. And isn't that what we want things to always be? We want them to make sense to us. Because if they can make sense to us, then maybe we can make them make sense to other people. And then we can kind of control those outcomes. Right? But that's not really what happens here. At least from where we sit and how we read the story and the interaction. It's this weird interaction. He's, you know, here as an Israelite in which there is no deceit. Well, how do you know this about me? Well, I saw you under the fig tree. You saw me under the fig tree. You're the Messiah. Uh, it's the whole point. Who did that interaction make sense to? Who did that experience make sense to? Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Right? It made sense to him, and that's all that really matters here. There was something here that was powerful and moving, probably beyond what we even read here. There's something powerful and moving for Nathaniel that overcame all of his prejudice and doubt about what Philip was telling him. And it all came, or what Jesus, right? What Jesus was, was telling him. And it all came through come and see. Come and see. Come and see. I want that, I want, I want us to work on that being a mantra for us. Come and see. Because come and see is powerful and liberating to us as disciples. When I say the word evangelism, man, what does that do inside of you? Do you shudder a little bit? Some of us? I do. I, do I'll, I will confess to you that I do not like the word evangelism, especially in our context in the world 
right now. It's got so much baggage. It's got so much attached to it and so much kind of uh, history that's tied to it, maybe fairly or unfairly. And so you think about evangelism. Evangelism is maybe even in its, in its best way. Let's go out and talk about Jesus. Let's go, about, let's go out and make Christians of people, right? And it's whoever says that without, in, in, with bad intentions. Maybe some people do. So evangelism is a very well-intentioned kind of concept. And maybe it doesn't deserve the bad rap that it has in my mind. But what also it carries with it is, let's go and explain Jesus to people. Let's go and, and make Jesus make sense to people. And so we have a lot of efforts at that. And I think a lot of good efforts, a lot of worthwhile efforts <clears throat> in that. But maybe there's a core in there that unintentionally teaches that us that it's up to you to make Jesus make sense to people in this world. And what Jesus motivated in a person like Philip is to invite. Just come and see. Come and see. It's not on you. It's not on you. Come and see is powerful and liberating because it takes things off of you. <clears throat> it's an invitation to people to experience Jesus in a way that makes sense to them. Come and see Jesus, and he will interact with you on his terms, just like he did with Nathaniel. So come and see is powerful and liberating. Come and see does not involve you. Come, uh, come and see also means come with me. That's kind of built into it, isn't it? Come with me. Not, it's not go and see, right? Go there and see. Come with me and see this Jesus that has done something in me that I find hard to explain. But I will go with you as we do that. It's meant as an investment. Come and see as an investment. It's an investment of your time. It's an investment of your interest. And it's an investment of your energy, which means sometimes it's a sacrifice. You go with people as you are inviting them to experience Jesus in ways that are, you don't know what's going to happen but you go with them on that journey. And come and see. So come and see is powerful and it's liberating. And come and see involves you, but it doesn't involve you. And come and see involves you getting out of the way. Because come and see is you pointing to something that is not you, right? Now, we talk a lot about, and I think we, we do it rightly, we talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus, right? But that is being the hands and feet of Jesus, not to go and use your own hands and feet so they can see you and then maybe see Jesus. 
It's you be the hands and feet of Jesus that he is using for them to see him. And you are have to get out of the way for that to happen. So you don't have to carry the weight of come and see. Come and see points people towards something and then trust in what God wants to do with that. That's something that um, I think we find it easy to say, but when I get into real, true, honest conversations with people, we get into the idea of trust, and that's where things get dicey. Because trust is hard. Trust is difficult. Trust is probably one of the most uh, problematic areas of our faith in general. Because trust is letting go of these things that we feel like we have to control. And that is incredibly difficult to do because it's... It's absolutely against the core of our human nature, and especially in our culture, where we're taught it's up to you. When you say, come and see, you're letting go of that need to control uh, and of any ability to control uh, what the outcomes are, right? And so come and see is not a, is not a formula for success with people. It's a formula for simply pointing people toward Jesus and letting him do his thing, right? And going with it. So you're pointing towards something that is bigger than yourself, that's outside of yourself, that you then must trust in what it's doing. And I think this is why we, we, get, uh, we get a little... Um, gun shy with with the idea of evangelism or telling about Jesus because we're not sure that it's always going to be effective. Well, it may not. It may not. But if you are being a person who can help but for the things of the Spirit and things of Jesus to be seeping out of you, in, in so many ways you are telling people, come and see, just come and see. Now, I don't want you to hear all from me on this because I think we have people around us who have tremendous gifts when it comes to the idea of come and see. And what I want to, uh, what I want to start planting the seed in us and what we think about is the culture of invitation. We're always motivated to want to invite people towards this thing that we know and experience. And so one thing I, many of you in here know, I think, is that... Um, uh, Bailey here is very, very good at that kind of thing. Um, and some of you in here um, are here because of her simply saying to you, to your face, come and see, come and see, <laughs> right? Some of you are. Um, and so, <laughs> oddball. Um, and so uh, we want uh, Bailey to come up just for a few minutes and talk about her experience of come and see. hold this because it's short um okay i'm bailey um i have notes but okay so the first thing i'm going to start off by saying is just like giving you guys kind of an idea of what inspires me 
because um, it's definitely not me, like Carrie was saying, it's the Holy Spirit that moves in us, um, and Jesus that inspires us to be welcoming. So um, that's that's part of the reason why I am the way that I am, because it's, it's Jesus moving in me. I just feel called to um, be very, very friendly, uh, sometimes too excited to uh, meet people, sorry. Uh, and so, okay, another thing that really, really helps me um, is thinking of eternity. Um, it gets a little tough because you don't want to, like, like Harry was talking about, it's not on you, it's on God. And so I have this problem where I think I need to save everyone, which is not true. Um, but it's also important to think about that God might be trying to use you to bring people to him. So it's important to kind of listen to him and keep your eyes open for opportunities um, to, to speak through um, or for have, to have God speak through you um, because it's, it's literally someone's eternal life. Um, and we as Christians and children of God should be doing everything in our power to bring people to him and to express the joy that we have in, in Christ and um, to want other people to enjoy that. Um, and speaking of the eternal perspective, it <laughs> rejection is scary, <laughs> but when you're thinking of, it's not, it's not you, it's, it's not, um, life is smaller than you think it is. God is bigger than you think it is. God is bigger than any fear or rejection that you have, that you've experienced. So, yes, it's scary going out there and being like, hey, do you know Jesus? And maybe you're not just saying, hey, do you know Jesus? Maybe it's simply you're smiling at someone or you're, um, you're buying someone's lunch or you're just, you know, being a friendly human being, um, just being the light in someone's life. Um, if you're thinking of eternity and how, um, how much God's love means to you and um, just that joy that you experience when you're worshiping or you're praying or you're at church, if you think of that, you want someone else to experience that. And, um, and so... And then you're also thinking, like, this is heaven. They can either go to heaven or hell. There's no in-between. So you want to do everything in your power to help them with that. Um, and then there's the whole thing, you're not alone. God is with you. He will move in you. He will give you the words to say. There's a Bible verse that says, like, I, I don't remember where it is. I wish I had um, thought of that. But it's the Bible verse that says um, the Holy Spirit will give you words to speak. Um, there's also the whole Great Commission, which I've been thinking a lot about recently, and um, you think of how God tells you to go make disciples of all nations. Well, are we doing that? <laughs> Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're just kind of, you know, going to church, talking to God, maybe hanging around our little bubble of Christian friends, which is good, but then there's also, you know, you have to expand that bubble. You, your goal should be to make as many people know that love and peace and joy, um, and then the last thing that really helps me, I'm, I'm sure there's more, and I could talk forever about this, but um, one thing is, what would Jesus do? You probably heard that question many times. Um, but when you're presented with a situation, think, what would Jesus do? Think of his character and um, what you think he would do. Like, think of the Bible. Think of what you know about his attributes and his love and everything. Um, and then try to apply that to your situation. Um, 
it sounds, I mean, you can say it and it sounds like it might be easy, but it also is pretty hard. But, you know, you've got the Holy Spirit with you. You're not alone. You can pray and God will help you. Um, and so now I just kind of want to give two examples. Um, so one example is a bad example of when I was rejected and someone was not open to this. Um, and so I'm an art student and being in the art school can be really rough um, as a Christian. And so... Um, I was just kind of trying to be the light to someone, and then, so, like, I sat next to them at a table, and then a few minutes later, they got up and walked away and sat with someone else, because they didn't want to sit next to me, which was sad. But, I mean, they're entitled to make their own decisions. And then, um, another one was Osvaldo. So, he was my neighbor at Jester, and, um, I had Bibles sitting outside of my room, um, to let people grab, and he ended up grabbing mine, which I didn't find out about until... Uh, recently, which is so cool. He still has it. Makes my heart warm. Um, but I invited him to Longhorns for Christ, and I had invited so many people here, and a lot of them did not stick around. Pretty much all of them just left, but Osvaldo stayed. I don't know why. I mean, because everyone's amazing. That's why. Um, but he's still here because I was not... I didn't let my fear of rejection take control of me. I was like, okay, Jesus is calling me to talk to this guy and bring him here, and I did. And look at him. Say hi. He's amazing. He's on the soccer team with us. Like, and he's such a light. Like, Think of all the things you can do. If you allow yourself to be a light, you will make other people be a light. So, yeah, I could talk about this forever, but I'm just going to end it with that just Pray about it. Allow yourself to be the light and allow the, the welcoming spirit, the uh, spirit of invitation to just overcome. Yeah. Thank you, Bailey. Please don't leave, Oswaldo. Come and see. Let's say that together again. Come and see. It's that simple, and it's that powerful. Let's pray about that. Father, we're thankful that we have this life-changing experience with you that impacts every one of us in very, very different ways. And all of our stories are different. All of our experiences are different. All of our understandings are different. Uh, but we're, we're put together in all of those things in this really incredible body that is yours. And we're amazed by that. And it's something that is difficult to describe unless you experience it. But you have not put that on us. You've just given us the pathway to the invitation, and you've given us the spirit to be those people that can confidently say, well, I don't need to convince you. Just come and see. Come and see. And we see what you do, and people are open to that invitation. So, Father, we know tonight that it's you calling us with that same kind of thing. Come and see. 
Come and see me. And we want to answer that. We want to answer that together. And so as we continue to worship tonight, put that on our hearts. And we give this to you in the name of Christ. Amen.